something worse than me, huh? Welcome to episode 23 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. I am Noah Frank, joined as always by my co-host, Will Vitka, and we welcome, and I use that word loosely, our return guest, Zeke Hartner, who promised us that this film would be better than his last. That film is 2000 sci-fi horror flick Pitch Black, featuring Vin Diesel, Rada Mitchell, Cole Hauser, and Keith David, along with some of the most crudely rendered CGI creatures ever put to film. Zeke. Let me ask you, could you survive 22 years between feedings? I just want to start off by saying, uh, did I promise this would be better than the last? Yes. I think you did. I think yes. I did. Yeah. And I stand by the fact that, yes, this one is actually better than Revolver, almost by default. It's, it's, right. it's absolutely better than Revolver. It just means you had to pick up your feet to clear the bar as you walked over it. And I don't oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. I'm I'm just saying that's where Revolver was, was literally lying on the ground uh, on the absolute floor of of, <laughs> of quality. Guy Ritchie tried his best. Uh, his he, cocaine sure. riddled best. Right. Yeah, no, no. We, we don't need to talk <laughs> any more about that movie. Let's talk about this movie. Specifically, uh, why did you think you liked this movie and what was your uh, experience with it? Do you remember uh, your first watch? Yeah, I was actually at a friend's birthday party uh, sleepover in like, I want to say sixth grade. Um, it, it was somebody I didn't know very well at the time. I had just moved to Wilmington, North Carolina. And, you know, was kind of still getting to know the people, getting to know the area. And this was honestly kind of like a surprise birthday invite because I didn't feel like I knew him well enough at the time to like be invited to a stay over birthday party. But I went, had a great time. We played a bunch of Flashlight Tag and then played a bunch of Star Wars Battlefront 2 just to really mark what era this was. And then at the end of the night, he popped on Pitch Black and I believe followed it up with its sequel, Chronicles of Riddick. But this was the one that I definitely remember enjoying more. I thought this was a brilliant sixth grade sleepover birthday party pick. Really enjoyed it. Even at the time, I knew it was kind of like a dumb, cheesy action movie, but there were a lot of elements that I enjoyed. Were your flashlights more advanced than the one that our female protagonist somehow ends up with in a cave that looks like it's from about 1995? We had better flashlights than everybody in this movie at our game of flashlight. (laughs) No one in this movie has a flashlight that runs on anything stronger than a single D battery. Yeah, it's insane. We'll get into those plot holes and more a little later on. Will, uh, had you seen this movie? What was your background with it? I saw this in the theater with my dad and my brother, Sean, and we thoroughly enjoyed it at the time, but we definitely walked away going, eh, there's some shit that doesn't quite work here because they're tethered together by their love of, of goofy sci-fi horror schlock. So this was right up our alley. I had not seen this. And it definitely ended and I just kind of went, huh? Wait, what? Oh, okay. Uh, I know that I saw the, I think, theatrical version. And we talked a little bit before we came on that there was a director's cut that it might be what you two watched this time around that might have had at least a little bit more explanation. But I don't know that it had that much more. So let's, we'll get into all that. But Zeke, uh, you're the guest. It is your job to recap this movie for those at home who haven't seen it in a while or who haven't seen it at all. Don't go too crazy, but uh, tell us what exactly happened in this movie. 
so the setup is there is a group of interplanetary travelers who are kind of flying on this passenger starship that is on a sounds like several year journey maybe maybe shorter than that maybe uh months or so but all the passengers and crew are in cryo sleep and uh among them is a uh escaped criminal who's been uh recaptured and is being brought back to prison a man named riddick and uh as they are floating in space their ship is hit by a small asteroid field and the ship crash lands on a desert planet that is surrounded by three suns and is um, kind of plagued by perpetual daylight. And as they, as the survivors of this crash try to figure out uh, how to get off the planet and survive, uh, they come to realize that uh, Riddick, the escaped convict, might not be their biggest threat. And there's some creatures on the planet that thrive in darkness and that an eclipse is coming that will allow the aliens to hunt all the survivors of the crash. So they band together as best they can and try to escape this planet that is not uh, stolen straight from Star Wars. The two suns. <laughs> hey, there are three suns. I was going to say, there are three suns. <laughs> they did it big. They did it big. <laughs> Which makes complete sense because, as we all know, multiple stars orbit around planets. That's how things work. <laughs> uh, nobody, nobody looked up any kind of um, astronomy for this movie and if they did they just like looked at the cover of a te- of a physics tech- textbook and said good enough i mean we might as well just get right into the, the plot holes because i don't know if you can make an entire movie out of a plot hole but they certainly tried what what really stuck out to you zeke in, in terms of uh things that just didn't make sense uh underexplained uh components of, of all of this like i i know it follows a lot of you know sort of formulaic horror movie beats and everything but there, were, uh, there seemed to be a, a number of things that, that weren't quite uh, fully developed here. I'll say this might be one of the moments where the theatrical cut and the director's cut kind of differ. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie the second time around. There are definitely a lot of issues with it and a lot of, like, I, I noticed about three things that I kind of scoffed at as, as the movie went along. I'll mention one of them just in case you guys also have one on your list. But that being said, I really was annoyed by the fact that early on when they crash on the planet, they make a big deal out of the fact that there's very little oxygen on this planet. And several characters mention, oh, it feels like I've been running or it feels like I'm down a lung. Is anyone else having difficulties breathing? Yeah, I feel one lung short, all of us. I like I just ran or something. And then that just never comes back into play in the movie at all like no one at any point is gasping for breath after a short walk or i mean everyone just kind of goes on about the rest of their business seemingly unaffected by you know operating on 50 percent the normal amount of oxygen yeah they use it once as a character moment between claudia black and uh vin diesel where she's like i'm trying to forgive you Mm. there's a few puffs left or whatever but that's it. Yeah, they totally give up on that half, uh, 30, 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah, I was going to say for about 10 or 15 minutes, there are scenes where they're like, they they are taking in air 
to try to like offset that. That's like, let's sort of like lay down as like a thing that's going to be a thing. And then it, right. And then just stops. It's the Prometheus problem where you just like take off your helmet. And you're like, okay, fine. It's all good now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think uh, at one point Riddick throws down uh, the pack that has been offered to him and uh, it, they are never mentioned again. Anything else uh, in terms of, of things that stuck out this time? <laughs> I mean, it just the uh, evolutionary inconsistency that is a whole species of aliens developing that actively burn in any form of light on a planet that is orbited by three suns that experiences days 22 years long that also fly. So they live like underground for a huge period of time right and we we see their tunnels a couple times i mean they're, and... they're bat sharks they're hammer, hammer yeah. head sharks. yeah no right. they are they're flying flying sharks but uh it, it, there's there's a very easy way that they could have like explained this again if they had like taken three seconds and just if they had just said okay this planet just orbits or rotates very slowly and so the day night cycle is incredibly long like that could have explained why there is a pack of you know organisms on this planet that only function in the darkness versus these things come out every 22 years right and i we were talking just before we we came on here will and i just I, I, like they're not really hibernating like they're they're in the darkness but like they're awake cuz we see them kill a couple of humans like they're moving around they're do like it's not like they're they come out of stone you know all of a sudden like they go it gets dark and then they and then they like emerge like they're moving around they're already a threat but they're just yeah that's a, that's a fair point like i don't know what they're eating for 22 years <laughs> like they're they're roaming around underground they appear to be the only mammal like organism on the planet like they, there's no food chain <laughs> like this i don't understand they're like apex predator with nothing to hunt the entire time until magically they come out and then i guess start hunting each other like I, I that whole thing didn't really make any sense to me either like like why are they now killing each other because they're they need to eat well why didn't they need to eat before why weren't they killing each other before like like just talk about just really under explained ideas of like what this threat is and how it works um, yeah i think we're, we're meant to believe that they have now resorted to cannibalism uh because they have hunted the entire planet to death um but well yeah given that, the, the bones that look like trees sure. yeah that, right. that does not uh i mean a, a species would not survive very long probably like a few generations if it resorted to only eating members of its own species well there's a reason why the sequels center around riddick and not these creatures <laughs> yeah well that so well uh, well let, let's get to your your plot holes but i i i want to touch on on the characters after that go ahead I think the most obnoxious plot hole has been mentioned where they're just, again, it's the Prometheus thing where it's like, oh, we need oxygen. Oh, maybe we don't. Okay, goodbye. When, what's her name? It's it's Rada Mitchells? Rada Mitchell? The actress? The actress, yeah. Yeah, uh, Rada Mitchell. Fry. Yeah. Where she goes down to find, sorry, Zeke, but goes down to find Zeke. Fuck! I'm so fucking stupid. I don't know. What the fuck is in there? Whatever it is, it got Zeke and it nearly got me. <laughs> in the subterranean, in the subterranean uh, nightmare hellhole, why did she keep crawling up the termite spire and not unbuckle herself? 
she could have easily unbuckled herself and then just like punched her way out of the termite spire. That was arguably the most obnoxious one. There are a few other ones, for example, like later on when Vin Diesel is trying to look like a super tough guy by using a shard of metal to shave his head, but he doesn't actually shave his head. It's just greasy. Bad sign. Shaking like that in this heat. That's how this is how shifts. Shifts. This? This is just a personal grooming appliance. Like no hair is lost. Hey, also, like what? What even is on his head? Like what is he? What is he? What is the grease? What? What? I don't, I, even I, I don't know. I don't fucking know. I mean, I still like the movie, but I don't fucking know. It looks like really old engine oil. Like it looks like he's shaving with really old engine oil. But Will is absolutely right. Like he takes a huge slather of it, and it's like all over his head. And he drags this shard knife thing back across his head. And literally, just, it's like he just like squeegeed his brain. it. Yeah, it's it's it does not do anything. His hair is no shorter. <laughs> yeah, and and then they focus on him like scraping the the goo off the. We get a we get a nice shot of the the buildup of goo that has come off of his knife. Oh, it's just and it's just <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, it looks like something <laughs> that would come out of my car in fifteen years. Yeah, I I already mentioned the flashlights just sort of a ridiculous thing just looking like they i i have more by the way oh yeah keep going <laughs> oh, keep going keith david's character uses this completely bullshit arab accent and they should have just let keith david speak like keith david he has three followers on a hajj i talked to my wife who is muslim she confirms that hajj would be the trip to mecca but they mispronounce the name of the character i've called hassan Keith David keeps saying Ha-san, it's Hassan. And the source for my knowledge of this is that my cousin is literally named Hassan because I am part of a Muslim family now. There are so many of these things here where it's just everything keeps getting pooched over and over again. This is not to say that I don't appreciate Muslims, especially in 2000, being included in like a potential blockbuster sci-fi horror action flick, but they get really particular things wrong and it's very weird yeah that's uh i had that in my probably wouldn't have happened if this movie was made in the five to ten years after that just would have been a completely different storyline also why are they flying with a maximum security prisoner like on a on a, a passenger flight like how is that how is how is a bounty hunter taking a maximum security right, prisoner because yeah, he's a merc on it right on a on a commercial passenger like I understand it's the future and like the rules haven't been written yet, but like what, how is, how could that possibly be? Oh, then, you're trying to get to new Mecca fly with the most dangerous prisoner in the galaxy. Apparently. Right. Hey, do you have anything else on that front? Will? Oh God. Like I said, I have three <laughs> pages of notes. Um, <laughs> almost everything is wrong in terms of the, the, the character development. It, it very clearly establishes Fry as being someone who has to pay for her sins. And so we know she's going to die. Like, ugh. Well, to me, the, like the Vin Diesel voiceover right out of the gate was, was such a bad move because it, it just immediately means, one, he's the protagonist. So that sucks any of the punch out of the reveal that like the cop's actually not a cop and is actually a druggie and and he's more of a bad guy than this bad guy is like we already he's already the good guy because he's the one talking to us and it makes him the main character but he's not really even the main character she's the main character she's the one who goes through this actual like 
development arc and then it kind of gets thrown away like i mean to your point that she has to like die at the end and just like leave him to deliver like a shitty one-off action line like a guy a guy that has no yeah. character development a guy who is as static because well, them's the horror movie rules yeah i mean it's just it like it, the voiceover was not necessary I mean, it's it's such a crutch in in general. It, they just use it as the in, in the intro to like set it up. He does. We don't have a voiceover the whole movie. Like it's just that in that intro, and it's just used as, as this crutch to get us into the action instead of just letting us figure out what's going on. Uh, which I just attribute to bad screenwriting. Um, but yeah, like it to me that that ruined the entire narrative structure of who is supposed to be our main character who is supposed to be our protagonist who we're supposed to care about what what happens to because i didn't care about what happened to him at all he wasn't an interesting character I well know. yeah and, he and, is, and, i mean he's a complete and total asshole i actually was reading before oh you know, I came also on also that... fuck you both i love Riddick. so <laughs> he's he is i like him like as a character in this movie but he is an asshole. Like he was willing to, and I like that they are unflinching in presenting him as an asshole. Like they do not pull any punches to show, like, oh, this is guy. This guy's actually like an antihero in some way. Like he straight up says, like, to multiple people, I will leave you to die if it is at all in my interest. And he like goes to do it. <laughs> like, well, like, it, seems, it seems like they wanted to do like the edge lord version of Snake Plissken. Yeah. But I was reading online before I came on that apparently Fry was supposed to survive to the end of the movie. That sacrifice at the end was supposed to be reversed, and Riddick was supposed to die. Riddick was also was supposed to... to be a, a woman. Oh, the, I did not in, read in the that bit. Draft of the, of... <laughs> Didn't see that. That was an interesting casting choice to then go and find Vin Diesel and say, all right, that's... But yeah, it, it would have made more sense for for Riddick to die as like if you're trying to do a plotline focusing on the Redeemer, someone who like wants to make up for past bad actions. But they apparently the studio smelled sequel and decided Vin Diesel's got enough star power for us to spin out a few more movies, and so they ended up stepping in and saying you can't not kill off Riddick. And they had to pivot to their other, and uh, who I think was really supposed to be the protagonist, who definitely got overshadowed by Riddick. Yeah, that's yeah. that's actually literally what happened. Yeah, I mean, you can you can see it kind of in the way that the script comes out, because because she's positioned. Why have her go through all the character development of being the one who tries to dump the passengers in the beginning, if if she's not the main character? Why, why do we care about her so much? Why do we care about about her, you know her going through this arc? Because Riddick doesn't have any of that arc. He's he's just you know like he doesn't like he really doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't develop in any way. He's a, he is a static character. Which no, uh, the, the I, most we get from him at the at the end is just you know uh, Fry is like begging him as she sees flashbacks to herself trying to make the choice to ditch all the passengers on the crashing ship to save herself and her co-pilot. Um, She's begging Riddick, please, let's go back for the people we've left behind. Let's go and get them because we've, you know, they're now on the ship. They're ready to go. The creatures are apparently taking a break from attacking them. Uh, every dramatic scene, the creatures take a nice convenient pause from attacking. They will, like, if you stand for three seconds at any other point except for heavy dramatic scenes, the creatures will rip you in half. But she begs him, please, let's go back. And, you know, he asks her, would you, would you die for them? And she says yes. And the most response we get from him is interesting. 
you know, he's not he's not taking in a moral quandary here. He's just clearly kind of into Fry and is impressed with her survival skills to this point. And then impressed with the fact that she's actually sticking to the, I, you know, I was ready to kill these people and now I want to redeem myself for that. Uh, but it's not a, it's not a character development for him. It's a character development for her. And right. then she dies right. about three minutes later. Well, and she, she, like, to what you just said, I mean, she says, yes, I would be willing to die for them, which is enough. That's enough that she makes the commitment to put herself at risk. Like she shouldn't then actually also die for it. Like, you don't, that's, I don't know. To me, it's a weaker payoff than, than her, you know, putting herself in harm's way. Like it, that's all, that's all that really matters. But I, 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 you know, I don't know for sure, but I suspect that they just fell in love with the idea of the Riddick character, this mysterious, not, not snake Pliskin feature badass guy. And then they, just kind of went with that. Well, that kind of kind of leads us into the what are the uh, most indicative uh, of the time era references uh, considering that Vin, Vin Diesel was considered to be a good enough actor and a big enough draw to be a leading man in not one but three of these things like like <laughs> I mean even on the, that last scene Zeke you were talking about like him being impressed with her I was he impressed with her I, he's such a bad actor that I couldn't like I, I didn't even know what his reactions I him saying interesting I'm like I are you interested or are you being sarcastic or I, I don't know whatever like <laughs> like that the fact that that he is he is positioned as the lead and therefore this movie has to end the way that it does instead of the way that it probably should have i don't know that makes it that makes it very of the era to me uh well what were some of the things that placed this as an extremely uh, uh 2000 era movie to you zeke the editing i mean i don't know how you could look at the editing of this movie and not think late 90s early 2000s we have got everything from the fastest jump cuts you have ever seen to like you know when you have that standoff between riddick and wells there's that moment where the camera just keeps flashing back and forth between their eyes but never really long enough for you to get a read on what their eyes are expressing uh it just keeps like rebounding back and forth uh dizzyingly fast um also during the whole crash sequence occasionally they would use like lens distortion on on uh fry as she attempted to uh, they, they did that land a lot ship. actually yeah there was there was a lot of like weird very very cheap looking camera effects that were added in post and um the <laughs> the blue filter uh as the blue sun rose and washed everything in in blue light like all the characters are just clearly shaded blue in posts and that was also a very like i saw that effect in a lot of those like semi-low budget early 2000s movies of the era reference as well the green screen the blue screen all that does not hold up in terms of the effect but interestingly enough they waited and decided not to bleach the actual film negatives so that they could get some of the more interesting colors out of the australian landscape which I think is super cool. But of the era references, and sorry, I was just trying to refer to Zeke's point about how some of the effects looked. The effects are not great. 
the spatial looks cool, but the effects are not great. Of the air references, I think it's going to have a lot to do with the characters. We need big strongman guy, Vin Diesel, and then all the women die. <laughs> I mean, that's 2000. Well, yeah. almost, almost all the women die. The, the, yeah. the girl doesn't die, but yeah. Right. Oh, and that's another thing. Who the fuck ever thought that Jack was a guy? Yeah, how was that a twist? I, I love how all the characters are like stunned by like... I, I remember realizing that that was a girl immediately when I <laughs> when I first the first time I watched this movie yeah like, and it's supposed to be I like was, a whole thing it's like yeah how did, you, how did you not know she was a lady yeah R- Riddick smelled smelled her uh in one of the weird well it's it's yeah it's, 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 it's a little grosser <laughs> he smells her period well right and he also smells our, our protagonist's hair when he cuts her hair in that really creepy scene when they're in the like bone graveyard the oh, big, fuck. The, I totally like about that like i was just like what is like why like again they don't pay off like some real reason why he's just being like a super creep you know and it's like oh cool this doesn't endear me to this character at all Riddick uh, has a few very creepy moments, like when he's uh, talking with Fry while they're prepping the skiff. He keeps. Oh, you mean when he Weinstein's her by like yeah, over he, like, each shoulder? Keeps close talking to her, and she is like turned away from him as far up against the front of the ship as she can get, so she has no more space to walk away from him. And he just keeps switching the shoulder that he is close talking over her. Like he'll be at her left shoulder and then say something and then like dip down for a second, then reappear over her right shoulder and then dip back down and appear over her left shoulder. It's it's a, a lot of Riddick's uh, actions towards Fry come off pretty creepy in this movie, especially because none of them ever seem to be reciprocated. Yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, no. it's it's physical. It's pure physical intim- intimidation at best. Like that's yeah. the best possible read of it. Is he's just trying to be physically intimidating. You could definitely read it as being more than that. There was one like pure cultural reference that I thought was just hilariously lost in there. Where I don't know how this made it through this the script, <laughs> the supervisor, whatever. But they, he talked about how he got his eyes. He said he traded twenty menthol cools. Where the hell can I get eyes like that? Kill a few people. Okay, I can do it. Then you're gonna get sent to a slam where they tell you you'll never see daylight again. You dig up a doctor and you pay him 20 menthol cools to do a surgical shine job on your eyeballs. So he can see who's sneaking up on you in the dark? Exactly. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, they, they fucking ret- they retcon that later on in the uh, series, by the way. Like they, I mean, they realized how lame it was. They yeah. That's that's such that's so bad and extremely <laughs> just just I mean, like it felt like something out of God in 60 seconds, you know, <laughs> it's just like, like really of that era. Zeke, was there a character that maybe you remembered a little more fondly that didn't age as well? Was there one that maybe you hadn't noticed as much the first time around that, that grew in your eyes? You know, I know you said at the top that these were some of the uh, worst looking aliens ever committed to film, but I actually kind of like their design. Like, they're very clearly CGI and yeah, sure, they don't like fit very well, but I like the overall look of them. They've got that like hammerhead shark top and, you know, kind of a long skinny body, presumably wings, but they're always moving so fast that you can't, you know, really see that. And they've got long like bone claws and 
a huge row of sharp teeth. Um, and in a movie like this, it's very important to have the monsters actually look intimidating in some way. And like, it's it's aged badly in the time sense because even if in a movie like this with this kind of budget made today the monsters would look a lot more like they're actually in the scene that they're in but i think for the time they looked pretty good and for the budget they looked pretty good and i, I just overall i kind of dug their design i realize they're not truly a character but in a in a monster movie you know the monster does have to have some presence and you know i felt like despite how uh biologically st stupid them you know existing on this planet was they they made a pretty cool pretty cool monster once once the action really kicked off but, by the, the way the... I, I just i just said that they were poorly rendered they're very smooth oh. when you get when you <laughs> see them up close in a way that makes them look very fake to me but i point taken oh yeah i mean definitely the textures are awful on them uh, there is one scene where like you really get a close-up of their teeth and the teeth particularly look like they don't have any textures put on them they're just kind of like white and perfectly flat and triangular <laughs> yeah but yeah overall i i, I kind of like the way that the monsters operated in this movie and you know that that all felt like you know that there are parts of this movie that definitely fall apart when you spend three seconds thinking about them but this is also not a movie that was made to sit and think about for more than three seconds you know this is this is like a perfect like popcorn plot like you sit in a movie theater in 1999 and you like throw popcorn at your face and you just kind of like laugh and cheer and i i, I think the monsters serve that that purpose perfectly as far as characters that you know didn't uh didn't age as well um yeah i i mean the the whole i i, I will say keith david's character as much as I like Keith David, the accent was strange, and also his seeming indifference. Like, he has a few small breakdowns over the fact that every last one of the young boys that he brought on this journey dies in the course of the movie. Like, I, I started calling them his bait boys because, like, they were really only there to show us how the monster could kill people. Like, the first one... Only I think is only introduced by name three seconds before he's like ripped apart by a mini version of the monster. The second one gets like ripped in half in a hallway, and then the third one gets dragged away right at the end, like as they are kind of getting close to the skiff that'll take them off the planet. And you know his every, he has a conversation with Riddick at some point about you know, oh I know I know you don't believe in God, and you know Riddick's retort is I I do believe in God I just I hate him. And the fact that this guy makes it to the end of the movie and is like, you know, not also kind of like, yeah, you know, I might have some thinking to do after all this is is kind of silly. But yeah, I mean, either play it one of two ways, right? Either have him have it shatter his faith or have it, you know, play him up as, as this Job character or whatever that but where, where he's like he like is enduring enduring all of this anyway like but right he you get to the end and he's just kind of the same dude <laughs> like it hasn't really yeah changed he doesn't seem to be suffering yeah by the by the end of the plot like if you wanted to show him like truly suffering while still thanking god for his own life like that that could be something but no he just kind of like you know i i forget at what point he he tells riddick uh like oh there there is my god i think when riddick goes back for them after abandoning them in the cave and it's like yeah i don't know if this is really the moment to start bragging about 
yeah. <laughs> like the last the last of of the children that you were in charge of escorting to new mecca has just died so right will characters improve or decline in your brain i think this is probably the best role that ben diesel has ever had in all seriousness really yeah yeah i don't i don't see him advancing beyond this like this was the extent of vin diesel's abilities i mean you know you don't think you think this is better than his fast and the furious role yeah right he only had to do agree to disagree he only had to do one thing he just had to be angry prisoner guy and that was it and then they made two more movies out of this and i will die on that hill it's not about family no i know i'll I'll say they're they're kind of equivalent in my mind like it they're both they have their very cringy moments but they they're both both very kind of simple characters that are just kind of carried through their roles by vin diesel's like physical presence alone and you know like he he does have a kind of like big lumbering charm to him it's like he's not great at delivering his lines and some of them certainly sound bad as as he delivers them but occasionally he'll land one that like will will actually make you chuckle and kind of like you know like oh yeah that was kind of cool Vin Diesel's dialogue in this movie is very sparse, obviously, because David Tui knew the limitations of Vin Diesel. And almost all of those lines are pretty good and they land. Man, I completely disagree. (laughs) I I almost just threw the remote at the final line. It was so bad. Can we just get the hell out of here now? You can't leave. The we can't leave without saying goodnight. Like I, I waited an extra ten seconds so I could burn six more of these aliens before we left the planet. At them for is he? He expresses no emotion the entire movie. He doesn't seem to care that anybody. But that's his character. Then why does he care? (laughs) Because he just does. That's it. I mean, I, I was like, this makes no sense, and it's a terrible line. Like it's, it's supposed to be this big climactic line, and I was just like, okay. Sure, guy. I thought that was great. I really appreciated the fact that he waited and burned as many of them as he could. There we go. I, I really liked that last line as well. Um, and I thought they did something very smart with the character in that they did not rely on Vin Diesel's performance to convey his emotions or what he was thinking uh, and instead kind of let the actions of the character explain them. Because when he is trying to convince Fry look, you and I have made it to the ship. We've brought the power cells to the ship. If we go back for the other people that we've left behind, we're going to die. You know, you and I need to go right now. And she has a breakdown and he tries to give her an easy out by saying, if you go back for them, I'm leaving you here. And he seems pretty serious about it. He's like, you know, I, every time he's made one of these claims throughout the movie, he's followed through. He told the mercenary, you know, you're going to regret not killing me. And he, you know, follows that up by killing the guy later in the movie in in their first, like, standoff where he actually has a chance to kill him. So the fact that he did not actually leave her tells me that he was interested in helping her and had had a soft spot for her. Well, it was, it was a test. <laughs> yeah. It was well, a test I mean, to make it, sure that she I, wasn't a complete shit. That, I don't know. That yeah, I really couldn't, sure couldn't tell you if that was a, if that was like a, uh, it was definitely a test for the character, but I don't know if it was a test purposely conducted by Riddick. I, I kind of got the feeling that 
they were going for Riddick is he's a villain protagonist. He is survived by any means. And as soon as he saw that it was going to put his life in danger to try to rescue others, he gave up on it. That was my read on it. That, that, that was, was my that read. Was too. My read. No, no, he, no. And he, I, he, I actually kind of like he, that. He was, I, he was, I, well, he, no, he was pushing her. He was pushing her, deliberately pushing her to see if she would abandon them in the same way that he would abandon them. But then they would have abandoned them if, if she had. Which would have meant that Riddick would give up on her. He wasn't going to let her on the ship if she was as willing to abandon them as he was. He knows that he's a monster. That's the whole thing. Mm, I think you're oh, giving I, him too much credit. I, I, I totally I, read that. I totally <laughs> read that as, uh, <laughs> as as he was like trying to get her. Yeah, he, he's a pragmatist. He, he, yeah, knows, he's like, he knows he's like, look, they can leave no or... Yeah. Right. Or, no, or, one, or no one's ju- going to blame us if we leave right now. Like, there's right. not going to be anybody who survived this. Right. He even like kind of goes over to pick her up at one point, and he's like, "I'll I'll make it really I'll easy, make it on, easy you. on you." Yeah. No. I yeah. Know. That's that's. But that's part of the joke. That's part of know. the thing. Totally know. disagree with both of you. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I do like that all three of us landed on a different part of this though, because I actually like that more about his character that they didn't make him the anti-hero uh, you know i i kind of thought that with the sequel they they do kind of retcon his character he is actually an alien not just some guy who spent too long in prison and let's, let's, uh, let's not talk about this yeah no the, the sequel that. makes him much more of an anti-hero i i like a villain protagonist i really do and i i i appreciated that aspect of of his character yeah, I, I, I think I just felt like a lot of the characters were underdeveloped where like a good like a good horror movie or a good action movie where you have them getting picked off kind of one by one. It's always better, you know, almost like the Willy Wonka style if they get picked off because of like character flaws. And like the reasons that they died were just so bizarre. Like they just like, why does the antiquities guy just like suddenly decide to like scurry out of this line like you should have died going back for more booze you know what i mean or you should have died yeah, going back a, to save that's actually a fair point yeah. like one of his possessions like like they, they don't die for like for like their flaws which is like that's the, kind of like your, the whole opportunity to like you know feel like there's like like reason why the people who survive survive and why the people who die die it, it just it felt like the deaths were just different ways of showing how these aliens could like mutilate bodies, but like nothing in terms of character development where it's like, I don't know. I just felt like all the minor characters were kind of let down except, except the Zeke character who is, who his whole thing was, he was so like freaked out about Riddick and that he was, you know, he, he, he was sort of militant and that was kind of what led him into, into dying in the first place. But like, I don't know. The, well, he also suffers from the horror movie rules because he shot an innocent guy, which meant yeah. he had to die. So right, yeah. But I already already gave you sort of my, my big one in terms of like I I liked I liked the woman that should have been our protagonist. I I I just feel like like the 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 ending missed by not having her survive. Like I understand why they did it, but I don't think that I think it was a worse movie because of it because I think that she had paid off her sins by being willing to put herself at risk. That was enough. And she should have made it through. And, and, and they both could have made it through and it still would have, like, it wouldn't have felt like they cheaped out at the end of, of it all. But like, I don't know. It just, I, she was the best character, I think. And, and like the yes. sort of what the movie spun around yeah. and, and 
and then she just sort of dies kind of i mean it wasn't haphazardly but just kind of abruptly and like you know it just felt like a letdown well and so to noah's point she was supposed to survive and riddick was supposed to die in the original script universal studios decided later that they wanted to make sequels and demanded that riddick survive yeah well there you go Let's talk about the soundtrack. What, what did you guys notice in terms of uh, in terms of the audio in this film? <laughs> you know, I the soundtrack was kind of just there. I could not. It, it was kind of that typical, like almost TV movie esque, where it was just kind of like a few notes to kind of build suspense and lead you into a scene a little bit. But uh, otherwise, there was nothing particularly noteworthy. Uh, for me in in that soundtrack do you notice anything well uh no like as you said it's mostly unremarkable there are a few moments that are kind of neat later on in the movie there is a sort of middle eastern themed kind of thing that goes on but it's only really during the fight between uh the meth head and riddick and and some of the more actiony scenes where they're hitting notes and uh instruments that i would associate with middle Eastern music but there's nothing really there yeah i mean most of the sound in this movie is the sort of whispers of of the aliens in the background that's the the thing that sort of stuck with me the most um didn't really music music wise nothing really kind of stuck out i did a cursory look for uh for gacha watch but i could not come upon anything so i have left that one alone uh for this episode we'll have to return to that next episode so we know that there are sequels to to this movie let's remove those from the equation and just talk about this this movie in and of itself uh what do we think has happened to the very few surviving characters and the world in which they inhabit in the intervening time the the years that followed after this film ended zeke yeah well the last we see of riddick he is flying the skiff off planet uh, to which i might add i forgot to add this in the um in the plot hole department as they're flying off of the planet you can see that uh the sun is starting to rise on the planet and they were probably in darkness for like a standard amount of time for night like 12 hours or so now I realize they didn't know. They they spent a long time discussing. You know, uh, oh, we don't know how long nighttime will last, but it, the sun is coming up <laughs> as, as they leave. They could have. They all could have just waited, and they would have been fine. But uh, Riddick says to Jack, you know, uh, she she asks him, you know, what what should I tell them? Uh, what should we tell them about you? And he says to her, well, tell them tell them Riddick died somewhere down on that planet, which I thought was not going to fly at all with the first because they're in a skiff it can't go far like they make a point of saying like we're our whole strategy here is going to be being picked up by another spaceship and so they're going to (laughs) they're going to like get onto the next spaceship and immediately you know be like okay who is this six foot five buff guy wearing you know swimming goggles that have been spray painted black why does he perfectly match the description of escaped convict uh, Richard B. Riddick and, you know, the, the excuse of 
oh, Riddick died back on that planet is not going to fly very far. So Riddick is back in the slam. He is back trading menthol cools for some cheap uh, surgery. Keith David's character has made the trip to New Mecca. I have to assume that when he got back, he was immediately killed by the mothers of the three children that he lost and forgot about on the way there. And... Jack, I would say, probably followed through on her commitment to blinding herself because uh, she was so obsessed with Riddick's eyes that she probably shined a laser pointer in her own eyes. <laughs> so that's my guess. Uh, Will, thoughts on, on uh, the futures of these characters? Okay, so since we're completely ignoring the sequels, I would imagine that Riddick fucks off to a far distant planet and lives off the land, and that's it. Jack probably tries to be Riddick at some point on a more civilized planet and does not succeed, spends 10 years in an isolation cell, comes back out and goes, wow, that guy was a dick. And then maybe reintegrates herself into society. Yeah, I, I don't think that the uh, playing, like, like there's nowhere to hide him <laughs> when they get picked. Like the, the ship is not big enough to hide him. Plus, like, imagine even if they did trying to, to pretend like one of those two piloted that thing off of a planet, like the, the imam or the uh, teenager, you know, flew that thing off the planet. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Riddick probably gets picked back up, although it's it seems impossible that any prison had held him in the first place, given the way that they that they lay him out and, and to show him to be like, like if he can escape, it seems like he he's he'll just escape again. And I don't know live a life of uh, ambivalent criminality, doing whatever he wants to do. I, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, they make it clear he doesn't give a shit, so right, why right, should yeah. he? Jack, Jack has poor taste in role models. All right, so we know that there have been sequels, but uh, as as this movie itself, could this movie get made again today, Zeke? You know, I, I would say yes. I, I would say this is a pretty straightforward concept, and it's a solid foundation for for a horror movie. And I would, I would say, hell, Vin D if they hadn't made this back in 2000 and Vin Diesel was still an actor, Vin Diesel could probably play, play the role again pretty easily. It, it doesn't seem like a story that, uh, without like minor modifications, couldn't be told in pretty much any decade. It's, it's a pretty straightforward monster flick. So I would I would say yes very easily that this movie could get made again. Yeah, certainly seems like it. It seems like it it's it follows a, a very tried and true formula. Um, I, I think you could make I think you you could twist it in, in different ways to make it more original or or more interesting based on on what's been done and and you know throwing some some actual plot twists in there instead of just kind of following the beats all the way to the finish line. But yeah, I mean absolutely they make these movies all the time. Um, I I don't know. I don't know how much of a budget, but if you, I suppose, if you attach the right people to it in terms of star power and everything, there's no reason why a studio wouldn't greenlight it. Will, any thoughts on the the modern day profitability and uh, studio success? Yeah, sorry, I was actually just developing one in my head. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense to give something like this to, like you said, make it a mid level, mid budget, mid level budget, you know, forty million, something like that. Give it to someone who's uh, coming up in the world of film directing that's a, maybe a little bit more brutal because I don't think that one of the one of my big disappointments with this movie was that the kills didn't feel terribly visceral everything was happening off screen so 
Except when the woman gets torn in half by the bats. Oh yeah, she has to get flown away. (laughs) One half of her torso goes up in the air, and the other half kind of continues Uh, on. She's screaming as she's flying away. (laughs) As I coined earlier, Claudia Black is the human meat tornado. (laughs) I think that if you had a moderately budgeted film that had the same spirit of this, where you take maybe a prisoner transport and turn it into a sci-fi slash horror movie where the prisoners and the cops have to kind of work together almost like an assault on precinct 13 kind of thing and then make it about aliens or like some kind of nightmare monster on the planet surface that could work i can see that working this in and of itself i don't see working yeah, I mean, I, and I like an, an ensemble cast where it's a little less obvious who's going to, you know, like who's going to be there at the end and, and who necessarily is like the biggest and the strongest or the smartest. Like, like it's like, <laughs> that's the whole thing with 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 this is like Riddick. We're like, oh, so you're you're the most deadly. You're the strongest. You're the smartest. You're like you're you're the best at everything. Like, like no one else is contributing in any way it's all it's all your like it's your show yeah i, I like the idea of of you could, it would be less predictable more surprising more more uh you take it in, in different directions if, if you had a kind of just a, a group cast uh that has to find an uneasy balance to survive yeah i'll say vin uh, diesel will never go for that uh apparently no. in one of his new movies uh i think bloodshot or blood sport or some <laughs> some attempt by related. to be yeah to be a superhero he demanded that his character never lose a fight in the movie Fantastic. like <laughs> yeah. he could not was, lose a fight <clears throat> so uh his his character goes through the entire film without any uh any failures at all so um no vin diesel will not accept that role again if you're gonna make that movie vin diesel is out a fucking, good. fucking good yeah 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 we don't we don't need that shit i found a couple interesting comps to some movies that we've done on here before uh at least like that started down that road and i wish that there'd be maybe been a little more the the sort of idea that we find out that that our cop is not a cop but the idea of of, of this cop trying to enforce laws in this completely open unenforceable you know, space uh, was similar to, to Outland, where where you're you're taking human earthbound structures out into a really uncontrolled scenario and trying to live under these ideas of uniformed people and and order and and you know imprisoning people and I I, I that kind of gets lost because then we find out that he's not really a cop but like like I I liked I liked sort of where that was starting to go uh, and it definitely re- reminded me of that. There was there was obviously like a lot of religious symbolism sort of played along. Talked about the, the Muslim side of it. The fact that they're trying to keep a light alive was very sort of Hanukkah, like burning the oil in the temple, and it's going to last you through this night and, and everything. But I don't know. I, I felt like I felt like they 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 were trying to do a few too many things in small pieces as opposed to just like grabbing one thing and really following it all the way through. I I, I don't know. Zeke, did you have any other any other just notes on on things that that didn't fit in any of the the buckets we've already talked about? I think kind of broad strokes, you know, there's a lot about this movie that is very, very easy to pick apart. Um, it, it is a fairly dumb movie, but I, I, I 
still find it very enjoyable in spite of myself. You know, it was sitting through this movie, the first like 10 minutes, like especially the space crash scene with, you know, the weird lens effects and, you know, random knobs being turned all over the place. You know, I I kind of had a moment of like, oh man, this one's going to be a complete and total bomb. But I, I kind of enjoyed it. You know, like I, I thought it was fun. I got to the end of it and didn't feel like I had, I had wasted my time. So um, I, I think broad strokes this is a fun movie that mostly achieves what it sets out to do. There's definitely some inconsistencies, definitely some plot holes. But if you are at a uh, a birthday party in 2007 and you've just played three hours of Flashlight Tag, just scored some sweet, sweet kills as Emperor Palpatine in Battlefront 2, and you're looking to wind down the night, pop on the director's cut and make sure it's the director's cut of Pitch Black and enjoy yourself <laughs> yes. uh, i uh, i remembered what the other one was by the way it was, it was just that <laughs> the, the monster reveal was sort of tremors like where you start to see it bit by bit i wish they'd held off just a little longer when she was in the cave i wish we had we yep. had just yep. stayed a little yep. darker and, and we hadn't really gotten them like full bore until until suddenly they're completely overwhelmed yep. by them. totally totally agreed because it because it had the like the right idea of building that up where it's this menace this that's again underground and that's that you can't see and that you don't really know what the full threat is until like it's on top of you. Well, and and, and it, actually that same shot is the uncurling shot from Aliens, directed by James Cameron, where it slowly uncurls behind. Uh, I think the character's name is Dietrich, who's the medic in Aliens, and it just sort of slowly uncurls. But yeah, agreed. Well, we must get to the, uh, you've, you've sort of answered it already, but the all-important final question, the reason, the raison d'etre of the podcast. Zeke, do you still like this movie? I really do. I would recommend this to somebody who is just looking for some fun schlock. Kind of shut your brain off and knock back a few beers and eat some popcorn. It, it is definitely that kind of movie and some of its early 2000-ness is actually kind of charming at this point so yeah i would i would still give this a you know rating of give it a watch you know check it out will second time around yeah i i I gotta say yes uh i really enjoyed it (laughs) some of the effects are kind of dated especially when they and this was shot in australia apparently but when they and so when they do the um the green screen multiple suns thing that doesn't look so great the effects generally hold up. The characters generally hold up. It's like Zeke said, it's it's definitely schlock, but it's it's the right kind of schlock. I'm totally okay with this. I'm looking forward to watching this with my kids. <laughs> you know, don't ever go near Vin Diesel, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the look of it. I mean, it, the look of it is very much. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of, of Battlestar Galacta, Galactica a little bit in terms of like, right? The ship looked decent, and like then like the washed out sky looks really weird and fake, and like as they're crash landing, and it's all all yeah, sort of, like it's, bright it's really yellow weird. and yeah, because yeah. that because that initial model of the um, of the ship looks fucking great. Like yeah. It's not yeah, it gave CGI, me. <laughs> it's just a model. And right, it gave like, me more, why more... did you change this? What did you do? Yeah, give me more hope, and I, and I, I kind of hope that they would they would be more around the crashed ship, and the ship would be more of that sort of haven for them. 
you know, as, as the film went along, I, I'm, I'm much more of a sci-fi person than a horror person. Like I, I really enjoy sci-fi, uh, but that tends to come with some of the more overarching social themes and a little more, you know, plot or, or, or broad uh, <laughs> discussions that this film does not really particularly include. This is a pretty straightforward survival, uh, you know, monster movie, essentially. Um, I, mean, I mean, that actually raises a great question of why couldn't Jack be transgender? Like, why make it a yeah? Well, I mean, pretending to be a boy probably you know? would be today. I mean, yeah. that's that's probably your difference twenty years later. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's it suffers some of the <laughs> some of the many things that many of the of the films of that era suffer, not just technologically but script wise and uh, social uh, issue wise. It tries in in some ways, but I think it's 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 fairly thinly developed as, as far as a lot of the larger issues that it, that it maybe dips its toe into. Not my cup of tea, but certainly not the worst film we've seen. Uh, certainly not the worst film that C. Cartner has brought us uh, on this podcast. So, uh, uh, burn. I will say, I will say, this is the second film I've brought you starring a famously bald actor on this podcast oh fuck it's just right. yeah 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 you just forget because for whatever reason they gave jason statham hair for revolver but yeah, yeah um, sorry i purged i i, I realized that after picking this movie <laughs> so you know third time uh third time's the charm maybe i'll uh pick an actor a lead actor with hair make it no just make it like woody harrelson or something just just go a different direction with your bald actor <laughs> All right, I'll start making a short list. <laughs> Zeke, would you like to promote anything before we get out of here? No, I've got nothing in the pipe right now to promote. So I will say you can catch me on the podcast you just listened to. If you want to hear more of me, listen to the episode I was just on. And go back to uh, the Revolver episode because that is a delirious mess. If you have seen that movie Revolver, after listening to us talk about it, you'll feel like you haven't <laughs> because that movie is impossible to talk about. No, but thank you so much for having me back on, guys. Uh, this was a pleasure, as always. Of course, we'll uh, do it again sometime soon. In the meantime, make sure you're following us on Twitter and on Instagram at Like This Movie. You can jump into the conversation using the hashtag ITILTM. That's hashtag ITILTM. Be sure to vote in our weekly poll on the Twitters, and we will see you next week. I Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. Did not know.